Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Gunnerstown Pub. Uh, with uh, Olaf and Merv joining me for this uh, rather cheerier affair than it looked like it was going to be um, a few minutes ago. And the late edition in the top right hand corner, we have Mike McDonald. Um, hello, guys. Uh, how are we all doing? What are we drinking for a start? Mike, you've got something there. I just had a glimpse of it. It's, um, it's my tea time. San Pellegrino. Pellegrino, lemon flavored. And Merv, what are you, what are you drinking and how are you? I, I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you, Paul. It's nice to see see you all again. I'm drinking a brew dog jackhammer, which I think I was drinking last oh, time or the time before. Um, okay. I just grabbed one. I like the taste. And uh, uh, I know the last time I drank one, Arsenal won. So without realizing it, maybe. Actually pouring it with about 10 minutes to go did the trick. Ah, that's probably about it, because up until then it looked like we were going to just uh, snatch a draw <laughs> from the jaws of victory. Um, Olaf joining us from Cape Town. Olaf, what are you drinking, and how are you, sir? I'm good. It's great to be with uh, you, esteemed gentlemen. So uh, evening all, and uh, those that are online with us, nice to have you along. Um, I was drinking copious amounts of vodka with mango and chili uh, during the game, especially because was a bit tepid at certain points. However, I'm now drinking decaffeinated coffee because I have another early start tomorrow morning and I was up at five today. So I'm, uh, I'm doing coffee over our chat today. Uh -huh. Hashtag crunky out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hashtag all of his <laughs> Exactly. Well, I love seeing we've got your, your, um, your tongue loosened up. Let's start with our hot takes and, and, and you can start. Um, give give us your just a short hot take. Let's not go through the whole game. Just just I know. your hot take. Uh, hot take was it was a bit of a tepid game, um, and I don't think anybody was pushing really hard. It got a bit feisty uh, at certain points, which we'll discuss, I'm sure. Um, and my absolute hot take uh, is the fact that I'm one of those that was always pleased that we've never signed Wilfred Zaha, and I'm very pleased that he didn't play for us. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Merv, how about you? Um, anything um, to add? Uh, well, I suppose my hot take, three shots on target, three goals. Um, the, the, I, I, I saw a tweet a few weeks ago. I'm not sure who, I think it might have been Tim Stillman. I'm not sure about how Arsenal under Arteta have, need to have these choreographed moves. Um, there's nothing, you know, nobody kind of iterates or, or, or tries anything. It's this, there's a certain way of passing and a certain move they're trying to put together. I suppose the first goal was a little bit like that. Um, and, and that's the way it looked through the second half. Endless balls across and back, across and back, uh, looking for somebody to get inside, can't turn, cross and back. And then just two bits of inspiration from Martinelli and Pepe at the end showed what what you can do. Uh -huh. I think we'll touch on that a little later because it definitely seemed like Arsenal were a team of of two very distinct um, halves. You know, like first half, I felt we dominated second half. I think we just shot ourselves in the foot, which we've done a lot. Um, Mike, your, your hot take? Yeah, yeah. Mine's almost identical to uh, Merv's there. Uh, I feel that um, we had two moments that were not choreographed. The coach had no part in them. And I think we would all agree that our coach needs to learn quite a few lessons. And that's one of them that, you know, the ball was not just tossed in the box or even really crossed in the box from that angle all night 
long and uh, we had many, many opportunities. Then off the cuff, Erdegaard, because he has the gift to do it, puts in a beautiful cross um, to, to Martinelli. We score there and then Pepe probably shouldn't in the last you know, few minutes run to the goal. He's supposed to take it to the corner flag, but decides to just go solo and make it up as you go along and scored off that one too. And so I suppose my hot take is that um, Arteta needs to trust his players because he has some quality players and there's two, there's three right there, Odegaard, Martinelli and, and Pepe, who can produce magic if they're allowed to. Right, fair enough. Um, my hot take. Uh, my first hot take was that I, I, I really quite like the kit, the new kit that um, kind of got premiered tonight. It's a pity because I can't buy it. I'm, I'm going to join this um, anti, the, the, the cronky out sanction oh. and not spend any money. So I know Olaf it's has probably of, ordered five or six of them already. It's <laughs> one of my, I think it's one of my favorite uh, 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 strips of the last, I don't know, for me, 15, 20 years because I was looking at mine the other day. So, um, but I love the new, and uh, maybe there's too much yellow. Maybe the pants, as uh, some people have been saying, should be a different color, but the shirt's great. Any, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. Sorry, Paul. No, 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 that's good. It's, it's a pub you were allowed to interrupt, I think. Um, yeah, I, I do like the kit. Um, I'm unfortunately not going to be spending any money in the Arsenal shop until Stan Kroenke leaves. So maybe <laughs> never. Uh, who knows? It depends how lucky we are um, in managing to replace them but um yeah let's move on to the next section which is the highlight uh mike do you want to start us off we'll reverse and then we'll go inside out do well, you have a highlight um my highlight is probably the same as the hot take if i'm being honest because that's the the joy of that performance the performance probably even though there was lots of possession the performance didn't really deserve a 3-1 victory maybe not even a victory but the uh the players just playing off the cuff, I think, is um, it's just such a breath of fresh air. I'll give you another. Um, just the crowd. I mean, just the fact that there was booing. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, it made a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, it was all against our players, but who cares? It was just football again. Yeah, it gives it a little bit of an edge. And speaking of booing, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm about to say, though. <laughs> Uh, Spurs, Spurs losing to Villa, and the first time the fans have been home in 14 months, and they're bringing their team off the pitch. You just, you just got to laugh at Spurs at, at halftime as well. Half -time <laughs> and at halftime, <laughs> and at halftime, deservedly so. I mean, because that Spurs, that Spurs team looks like shit, and with, with uh, without Harry Kane, I think they're they're probably going to be even shitter than they are. A bunch of shit, shit. <laughs> anyway, um, where were we? Move your yes. highlights. <laughs> uh, my highlight was, I suppose, the fact that the inspiration and improvisation won out in the end. Um, it, 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 I'm guessing Arteta has a way of playing, and I'm guessing the team will be remoulded next season to to play in that kind of way. Um, it's almost like a kind of city light of keeping possession and knocking you. Know, don't lose it. Don't play a 50-50 ball. Keep it. Move it across. Try from another angle. We don't have the same players. Um, and so for me, the highlight was, you know, as, as I think Mike said, you know, two, two young players who just took on the responsibility to improvise uh, and, 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 and try and win the game. 
And and it yeah, before that it, it was getting turgid. It was just kind of it was if I wasn't on the pod, I might have switched over with about ten minutes to go because it just felt like it was petering out to to yeah, a one one draw. Yeah disappointing 1-1 draw because I think we had the game in hand if you'd looked at the first half. Um, yeah. Olaf, your highlights? My highlight was 10 seconds. It was uh, the first goal. Uh, Tierney running, passing to Saka, backhill, Tierney cross and then the volley from Pepe. I think uh, that I suppose in, in, a, in a nutshell of the whole game. I mean, the last two goals were pretty good as well from ours. Um, but that, 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 that 10, 15 second interplay and then the back heel from Saka, I thought, um, I thought that's the kind of football that we know as Arsenal fans. That's in our DNA. Um, so highlight for me. That's a good one. Um, I think my highlight was um, how uh, I saw glimpses of the good Partey again, which, which I like to see because... Um, you know, you know it's in there. I think his ability to the one thing he does is just he traps the ball on his on his chest so well and controls play where everybody else headers it, you know, and and gives away because we we very rarely win the second ball. Um, so you know whether it's holding or the back four, just headering it forward or anybody, we just generally are giving away possession because we're not we're not winning it back. But Partey traps it, drops it at his feet, and and is already looking for that that pass and that that style of quick forward transitional play i think is is going to help us and I, you know you had a couple of rugby moments but it was good to see Partey kind of um you know getting to um you know showing glimpses of of the player we we all thought that we'd bought um i'm going to just run through a couple of these these comments yeah, I, just to, I just want to say one thing i think half yeah. a highlight for me was um i think chambers is doing really really well at right back to be honest yeah. um and um, i can understand why cedric and uh Bellerin are playing because yeah. if he's he's doing really well, him and Holding, you can see our mates and they get on well and they look out for each other. Um, but his crossing yeah. has been pretty good, um, and there were quite a few of them in the game today, which uh, nobody latched onto when they uh, or was <laughs> to do it. So I give yeah. uh, old members just half a highlight and squeeze that in if I may. Yeah, and absolutely, because you know I I don't think he should have been dropped for the for the semi final, and um and I think that made a difference because. You know, he'd done nothing wrong. He'd played the six or seven games leading up to that the semi-final, second leg with Villarreal. And I think he should have been on. I think he adds something to our game. I think Bellerin kind of let us down in that game anyway. So it had repercussions. But anyway, I'm not the coach. So what can I say? Um, there's some comments here. I'd just like to you know bring some of these people into it. Um, <laughs> Danny McHugh says... Uh, how can Spurs win the league at Christmas and we were going to be relegated, but we might finish above them? Okay, let's hope that happens. It still can, I think. I don't know who they play on the last on the last day. Does anyone know? Leicester away. <laughs> okay, so we probably will finish above them. Touch wood. Touch wood. Um, yeah, Graham Allen, uh, he says, the lack of urgency towards the final 10 minutes was painful. Not sure if I want to have a faint light of hope going to the final game as we're bound to end up disappointed. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably something we'll look at in the headlights um, and maybe the lowlights, the lack of urgency and stuff. Uh, here's Webster, Red and White Parker. I've been calling for Martinelli since he's come back from injury. I regard him as our most natural finisher. Once he gets up to speed, he's going to be unstoppable. Um, there was an interesting somebody, – somebody on Twitter has – when Martinelli first scored that goal against Chelsea, I, I think he predicted – that Martinelli was going to take Thierry Henry's record and he's been keeping a tally 
So it was like one out of 228, two out of like tonight was 12 out of 228, you know? And so um, it'd be interesting to see if, if that actually happens. It'd be, would be great. I think Martinelli's definitely a fan favorite. Um, Terence Mahoney here says, no sh new shirts till the leech Cronky gets out of our club, save your money. I agree. I've, I've, I agree completely. It's a beautiful kit, but I'm not buying it. Um, Steve Cooper, we all know we need a right back in a central midfielder and creative 10 to help Smith Rowe. How important will a left back be as Tierney will probably play a half of the season should it be one of our priorities? Hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to have to address some of that probably as we look at um, you know, transfers and, and the end of the season. Uh, Mark Madison says it's a great away win. Um, Steve Byrne, Arteta will eventually lose his job if he's bent on benching Martinelli. The energy he brings to the team is unmatched. Um, and then Alan Shine says, my heart sank as I tuned into Sky. Oh, West Ham scored. That game's not finished there, right? I think no, uh, no. No. Well, let's hope that they um, lose. Uh, okay, next up, we are heading into the swampy territory of low lights and Merv. I'd love you to um, to splatter us all in your mud. <laughs> in my mud? Um, yeah, in the mud of your low light. Yes, yeah, sling okay. some sling some mud here. This is your this is your chance. I I think my low light is that yeah, for this evening, like many times recently, I've just. To, to me, there's just been a, t a total lack of energy, of inspiration, of, of it's kind of, you know, it, it's past, it, it's boring. It, it, it's, I, I, it's one of the things that I suppose certainly I, I've, I've seen in the past, okay, I'm old, you know, I've, I've been going, you know, pretty much all, you know, for 50 years nearly, you know, with, with, with my dad as a kid and all the way through. And it just feels sometimes like for a lot of that game, like one of those eras where we're just not going anywhere and, and we don't have any star players. And it's just kind of, you know, there's nothing, there's no energy, no inspiration. And that's ridiculous because we've got some great players. Um, that is one of my concerns with Arteta moving forward, that it is overcoached, over-stereographed. Um, but I, I, I think that, to start brightly, to take the lead, should be able to score the second and shut that game out. We end up at, you know, with 20 minutes to go looking like we were going to lose. Felt sure they were going to get a free kick or penalty. Um, and so it's just that not being able to dominate, just 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 like letting it slip. Yeah. Um, just, to, just to touch on that point, and I'll open this up to the guys, um, about the creativity. I, You know, watching Smith Rowe today and... I mean, literally every time he got the ball, he dropped his shoulder and he tried to make something happen. And he took on, I don't know how many take-ons he did and dribbles and stuff, but he really was, you know, he was somebody who was trying to to really propel the game forward. And I felt like he was given a little bit of a, because he roamed around a lot and, he, and he, mm. he, he popped up on the left back and he popped up on the right wing and through the center. And I feel like he was kind of given a, a, a role of, a creative role that, um, it worked a lot. I think it drove us in that first in that first half. Um, and so I kind of agree with what you're saying about that lack of creativity in general, because I feel like, unfortunately, the people that are in the pivotal roles, like maybe in the central midfield and stuff, sometimes are the ones that dampen that. You know, it goes to the same person and that's always a, like a black hole, like it sucks 
sucks the energy out of the game and it slows everything down. We're not getting the, the people feeding off that energy like we did around January when Saka and Lacazette and Smith Rowe were all like, you know, spinning randomly, you know, like there was a lot of movements off the ball and there was a lot of support and there was a lot of creativity. So I feel like we've got touches of that, but we've lost that somehow. And I think Arteta kind of has weaseled that out of the, the game. Do you feel the same way, Mike? Yeah, my low light is just off the back of what you guys say. Um, I agree uh, entirely. Merv made an interesting statement that we don't have star players. And, you know, I would come back at that and say, well, we do, sort of, we do. But are they allowed to use all the tools in their box? You know, Smith-Rowe's a good example. Smith-Rowe will uh, come wide, he'll combine to overload the wings and, and play with combinations, but you see him drive forward into the final third and hesitate to shoot. And I feel like, you know, we all know that the boy can shoot. He's got a really good bending shot, but it's like he's not allowed to put, pick that tool out of his box because the coach has told him not to. And Saka, the same thing. Saka gets the ball in the final third and was uh, playing more as a dual number 10 today, but would combine again with a Bamiyang but again, wouldn't shoot or wouldn't. And his tool that he needs to pull out of his box is just, you know, to dribble into the box at speed and try and create some uh, some jeopardy in there. But it's like he's not allowed to do that either. And I feel that our coach is hindering our players because he's not playing to their strengths. And he's, he's keeping some of their tools in their box. Just do what I tell you to do. Don't, don't whatever you do, do what you think you should do. And yeah, don't improvise. Yeah, don't improvise. That's the word, Olaf. That's the word. Don't improvise. Do what I tell you to do. <laughs> and that's not for how football's pl- played. And when the Arteta needs to watch out because when the crowd gets back, Paul, the crowd aren't going to go for that. There's going to be all kinds of booing when we're losing or drawing, and it's just horseshoe football. So, right. Um, here's the word for the <laughs> evening, um, children. Yeah, improvise. My low, light. Your low light. <laughs> My low light has got nothing to do with any of the uh, 22 people playing today, actually. Um, I'm going to go with my low light is, uh, if, if I'm, I hope, I got, I hope I, got, I got his name right. It's Mike Riley who was the referee tonight, right? Anthony Taylor. Sorry, Anthony Taylor was the referee. Yeah. Yeah, the referee might as well have been Mike Riley. Yeah, yeah, no, the, <laughs> it's just the, a shit. Yeah. The referee, the, uh, Anthony Taylor, was the low light for me. Um, there were definitely two red cards, possibly three, um, and in itself, you can. And, and this is this is a podcast and a, a thing around a beer or two that we're doing now. We would be discussing for at least one or two hours. Um, but if that had been anybody else, if it had been the other team, as in us or whatever else, uh, even another team, any choose any team in the Premier League, I can almost guarantee you there would have been real red cards there. Um, and the fact that they are on top of which then didn't correct him when it was clear red cards. And again, Mike's the more, uh, much more technically adept than I am. Um, but the fact that VAR didn't do the correction either is, and so that's the low light for me, the refereeing and the assistant refereeing being the linesman and then the VAR. I well, think let's talk about them. Let's talk about the red card incidents and stuff yeah. right now. Um, Mike. Yeah. Um, I love through, through this at you. So, um, those red cup card incidents. So there was the first one, the fourth minute was Schlupp, right? On on Chambers, on his planted leg, low tackle, went in over the ball, studs showing, and and 
landed on his his planted foot, right? His what do they call it? The the grounded foot, or whatever. Um, is it because it's too early in the game to give a red card? But I thought that they wanted to protect the players and that to stamp that stuff out. Um, well, eighty percent of the time that's a red card, and it probably is. Paul, you think you got it right? It's probably because it's early. And the referee just wasn't in the mood. That one was ridiculous because that was an easy red card to give. And the other ones um, bother me even more because it just leans into why so many players cheat. Because when El Nenny was, was it four rounds smashed in the chin, I know that doesn't justify falling over and rolling around. But if he would have fallen over, like nine out of 10 other players in the league would have done and rolled around and held his face, that is a 100% red card because of the reaction and, you know, showing the referee, hey, look at what happened here. And then what about two minutes later or maybe 60 seconds later, the ball goes to the centre of the field and Benteke um, kick, kicks out a party, I think. And, and, and again, yeah, if he just... Benteke, the shoulder on Saka, wasn't it? Right? Was that no, there was another one right? literally straight after that from that free kick, it went to the middle of the field and Benteke... Uh, went after party and party just popped back up. But if he, if he, again, if he that's stays right. down yeah. And, yeah. and rolls around, and that's what's so sad about football is that the referee won't give it unless you dramatize it. And because you dramatize it, then football gets a label, rightly so, for players flopping and, and, and acting. But they have to. Um, what a shame. It is a shame. Um, Merv, what was the, the other one that was a borderline that, you know, that shouldn't, could maybe have been and, and wasn't? I mean, I remember the one in Schlapp. I remember the, the I mean, yeah. the, the off the off the ball handbags. I, you know, you lift the hand towards the player's it. face and, you know, and normally the player just gets red carded. Like it's, you know, and yeah. Benteke just, yeah. So uh, there was another incident. Olaf, what was the third one you that everyone's talking about? Is it the Benteke on Partey? No, I, I, no, 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 I can't. I cannot. I can't. I can't specifically remember uh, which the third one was. Um, yeah, I don't think it's the Benteke one. I think whatever. But yes, but 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 in total, I think that it still comes down to three, which is three right. too many. None of them yeah. were given. That's what's worse. And what's even worse about them is that you know when that guy doesn't get given his red card he's going to score 50 minutes later. And then El Nenny's going to get a second yellow. I mean, the first one he got was for getting elbowed in the face. I don't know why that's a yellow. Um, you know, he was going to probably have somebody run into him or he's going to trip him up accidentally and he's going to get a yellow and he's going to get sent off. And you just think like those, the implications of this poor refereeing decision just like multiply down, the, especially when it comes to Arsenal. You know, I, I, <laughs> Just for the discussion, yeah. I have great difficulty in saying it's too early for something. If the rule says you don't yeah. go with studs up, it doesn't matter whether it's in the first 30 seconds or in the last 30 seconds. The point mm -hmm. is you're going in studs up. That's a no-no. Uh, so that fourth-minute rule, and, and I hear it's too early. And then I think uh, somebody on, on I think, Sky, I think it was that idiot Joe Cole, who said um, because there wasn't so much uh, force behind Benteke's uh, nab on the chin um, of, of El Nenny. just misplaced That's it. why he didn't get the red. But again, that's not the point. The point isn't whether the guy's jaw's broken and half his teeth fall out. The point is that you, you cannot do that to anyone, period. Uh, and so I, I, have, I take great umbrage with the refereeing in the UK. It's, 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 it's been like this for so long. And and I know we argue about Arsenal um, and from that perspective and how many 
I mean, again, that uh, that that fourth minute stamp, that was Obama Young's red card in the same game a year uh, last time, and he was sent off for that. So it, it, that's what gets me more than anything. I don't mind if you're going to be if you're going to have rules, then apply them consistently, and it doesn't matter whether it's on the first thirty, as I said, or in the last, or whether yeah. there's force or isn't force. If you're breaking the rule, the punishment must come that is merited, and whether it's our team. Or whether it's another team, I'm not saying it's only on others. It's the same applies to us. But yeah. for him, okay, I'm going to swear now because I'm, I'm, I've decided tonight I am allowed to throw a swear word. And for fuck's sakes, just be consistent and be real about it. Yeah, referees aren't allowed to improvise. Um, yeah. so In, interestingly, um, oh sorry, Obama Yang's um, sending off last season was VAR. Yeah, at Crystal Palace. Ref. Yeah, I, I was there. trying to intercept a pass down the line. Yeah, with a so, I mean, and... it's, I, I, VAR presumably looked at those incidents tonight, and and I can, now we've got fans back in the stadium. Uh, I get that referees are probably setting quite a high bar if they send a home player off in the first five minutes, even if it is a red card offence. You know, there's going to be a soft red card for us, um, but I, I, I just. I, I think he dodged it, and I'm, I'm just a bit surprised on both of the, the Benteke one and the Schlupp one that there wasn't a VAR overall, or at least like with the Bama Yang last season, VAR t told Anthony Taylor to go and have a look at it yeah. on the monitor. Well, you know, McDermott always comes on, you know, in the Premier League show, and he goes, well, they can only step in if there's a clear and obvious, it's a clear and obvious error, you know, so... You know what I mean? And, and he was just there defended by saying, you know, they're not going to force him to change his mind because it could, it was borderline, it was orange or whatever. Like always protecting, covering each other's backs. Anyway, so the third um, probable red card was um, Tierney being kicked at after the ball went out 10th minute. Um, Ward, for some reason, <laughs> I think Tierney made a huge, made a huge thing of it was, um, you know, he, he, he did call, he did try and draw attention to it and, and he got the wanker um, chant thrown at him the rest of the game and the booze. You also noticed that in the crowd, all the way through okay. wanker, wanker, wanker. They were doing that every time we got the ball. But um, I, yeah, there was a lot of that. I, I realized how much I missed football with with a crowd the and, uh, and the away crowd when when they start singing same old Arsenal always cheating. Always cheating. That what so annoys me so badly. I it annoys that. me that we've got that, you know, same old ass, always cheating. Awesome. I hate it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not okay. cool. Um, sorry, there's one comment I just wanted to put in here, um, which ties into all of this red card stuff. I'm, um, Gabriel McPollin says, glad we didn't get Zaha in the end, as his attitude really stinks. Pepe's done more this season and he hasn't been a fixture in the team. So going just to Zaha, I can't tell you how many how many dives he, he had in the box and in Anthony Taylor's defence, he just told him, to, you know, with the crowd, bray, you know, baying for a penalty, he just kept saying, get up, get up, get up. I'm not buying it. Um, I mean, how often do you see Zaha sitting on his ass and just, you know, waving a card or saying? Don't, don't you think, Paul, that um, a yellow card at the very least is worthy the first time somebody tries to con the referee because the opposite um, – Judgment is a penalty kick, which is an 80% chance on goal. So he's trying to get an 80% chance on goal by conning the referee. 
and the referee just waving play on again like olaf said it's more inconsistency because exactly. if 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 it's not a penalty it's a dive most of the time and so a dive should get carded yeah very, yeah it's the most simple decision the referee makes the entire game and so he keeps doing it he did it three times tonight because the yeah. he knows the referee's not going to do anything about it if they're not if they don't do anything about it they'll never stamp it out ever you know they've they've got to be ruthless about it and the same with with holding people in in corners and you know this hugging you know defenders holding leaning up you know, clothing themselves over over people it's just you know how how can you how do you avert your eyes and pretend that didn't happen you've got to stamp it out and then people will start um you know not fucking cheating bastards um let's back to the beginning I, I, I doubt there'll be anything too controversial here but um any thoughts on the lineup merv before you um have another sip i'm gonna go oh, get sorry some, uh, you guys chat i'm gonna get some more coffee. okay go for it go for it any thoughts on the lineup um, is anything no i mean i mean it, it was i suppose kind of as as expected for me it would have been nice if martinelli would have started um but yeah, I, I I thought Chambers would 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 get the right back role. Um, holding Gabriel, I, I don't think you know that, that he could have started Bari, but 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 I think that that was probably the right call. Tierney starting. I don't think there are any shocks. You know, I think Elneny is kind of the man in position at possession at the moment, rather. Although Xhaka, uh was was on the bench, so possibly could have started in a midfield role. Um, I think. Arteta, like a lot of managers, uh, tends to defer to the man in possession, unless this is your star man. I think, you know, the man in possession of the shirt, you know, gets it for another game. You know, Xhaka might not be much fit fully yet. Um, but I think other than maybe giving Martinelli a run, um, I, I, I don't think there was any particular surprise, um, to me anyway. Um, the the Gabriel, Gabriel holding um, partnership, Still hasn't convinced me as much. I, I, you know, I. How did you feel about Gabriel's performance today? Because and then I'll comment afterwards. Mike, what did you think of Gabriel's performance? Um, Gabriel didn't really stand out to me one way or the other. So, not sure. I don't think he was. Um, his side was pressured as much as, of course, the uh, the other side is when you play against Sahar, Right, he's on the other side. So. Um, didn't really spot so much with with Gabriel with the lineup for me it was it was good um, I did notice that I think most everybody in the starting lineup are the guys who are most likely to stay I don't I would get rid of a couple of those myself but um, it's interesting how perhaps the ones that are touted to leave were all left on the bench or not in the squad and then the, there's the Balogun conversation which to me is super weird he'd signed a new contract and he can't even be you know the a seventh player on the bench. Um, so that one's strange for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Olaf Singh, you've joined us again. Any thoughts Thoughts on the lineup? Yeah, I thought the lineup was okay. It was a good mixture of uh, youth uh, and a bit of impetuousness with a, with some experience. Um, I was surprised. The, the, only, the, only, the only issue that I was uh, surprised about was I thought that especially against Crystal Palace, I thought that Lacazette and his hold-up play and with his ability to play with the back, with his back to goal um, and bring other midfield players in, you know, the the, the Sackers of the world and, and the Smith, Smith Rose, 
Um, I, I, I thought that was maybe slightly missing. I think that that mm -hmm. would have given us something slightly different um, within the, the gold mouth area of Crystal Palace. So I was surprised that he wasn't in the starting lineup to start. Um, and then I was immensely surprised that he didn't even come on with maybe 15, 20 minutes to go, especially when we were chasing a goal. Uh, it worked out in the end. But I suppose that other than, other than the absence of Lacazette somewhere, either starting and or coming on a little bit earlier, to, uh, with what he can do, that was a was a bit of a surprise. Mm -hmm. um, Mike, maybe with the Balogun thing, I mean, was was Eddie on the bench? Not sure. He wasn't, was he? I, he I don't think he was. No. no? Um, I mean, with Aubameyang playing through the middle, which, you know, I'm not convinced. I think the last few times he's played there, he's had hasn't had a lot of touches. You, you've got him in places where you don't want him playing the ball. Um, he hasn't been that effective. Uh, one of the commentators in our stream talked about, you know, why Lacazette hadn't been brought in and put Aubameyang out wide, where he's got good relation. You know, he's got good relationships with Tierney and Saka when when they were on, um, and he's m more part of the game. It's the debate we've had over the last two years. Um, but um, Michael Hinton here says Aubameyang was very ineffective again. Centre forward is a big worry for next season. It shouldn't be though, right? If we've got um, um, if with Badigan and Lacazette and Martinelli, have we found the right combination in the front three? Do you think? Well, do, yeah, do you my my Balogun comment comes off the back of, uh, you know, this is the season that we've almost been able to throw away, and I don't feel that the coach has taken advantage of him. One of the positions that many people feel uh, needs an upgrade in the summer is centre forward. Well, if that's true we may have our answer without going into the transfer market. And I think if everybody was honest, they'd say, I don't know. I don't know if Martinelli could be a great centre forward. We'd love him. We'd love him on the field. And he looks like he's got all the tools to be a centre forward. But I don't know if he can. So why have the club not tried that option? And why have they not bled Balogun in just gradually, you know, 10 minutes here, 15, 20 minutes, get him a start today maybe, or maybe on Sunday. And so we may be throwing money away in the summer when the answer's in the club, but nobody knows. So I find that very frustrating. And Eddie's been on the bench a whole lot recently when I think everybody knows that he's leaving. So my greatest fear, guys, is that Arsenal's going to want to get rid of players like Lacazette and Ketia in the summer. And then they're going to want to keep the players that may knock on their door and say, hey, I've got an offer too, you know. I've always thought that Liverpool will go for Martinelli as a long-term replacement for Sadio Mane, and his agent may get a bid and think, well, Arteta didn't really use him much. And so mm. we, we'll lose the players that we we are okay with losing, but we'll also lose the players we want to keep because we didn't encourage them. We played players like Lacazette and Eddie when we knew they were leaving, um, and we didn't encourage the players we wanted to keep. You know what? Maybe part of the problem is is that we're trying to. Uh, well, what Arteta is trying to do is, it, it's almost like. Um, and Mervyn, you've got some experience in this from your professional career, um, as, as do I, which is mm. turnaround strategies in companies. Um, and what you sometimes can't do, you cannot go from this and throw it out and want to build the next thing and do that in, let's say a 60, 90 or 120 day period. You almost have to have a staggered approach to go, I want to be here. I'm going to get rid of some people and then the company is going to look like this. Then we're going to look like that. And then eventually we get to look like this. 
But for me at the moment, it's kind of like um, we, we and, and you saw what happened in the January transfer window. We kind of got rid of a, a whole lot of people, some of them which I still kind of question uh, as an example. But it's almost like we're trying to do a complete 180 degree and go, we want to go from here and we want to go over there. And everything else then in between goes back to what Mike's saying. You can't make the right decisions because you're then not identifying the right people that you need to and guide them to those various phases till you get to where you want to be, a la a man city, etc. That's just my kind of just uh, 10 cents worth on, on, on that. It's, it's, I think there's too much focus on trying to be, uh, Arteta talks too much about it as well for me, and as do the club um, uh, management. They almost want to go, we are going to move from here, we're going to get over there. Instead of being honest and saying, we've got to do this in a staggered approach, and that is the way we can financially manage it. That's the way we manage our resources, as in human resources, as, as in the playing staff and everybody else surrounding it. So this is the journey. But this thing called the project, people uh, at the moment, the project is almost like a starting point. And then at, at a certain point, we're suddenly going to reach the, the destination. And that's not what this is. And that's what's... But is that um, coming from the fans? Or is, I mean, I don't get that from Arteta. I get that he says that it's a slow thing, that there's a lot of things that have to take place. And when he says, you know, well, when we look at it, when you look at the things that he has accomplished and give it credit for the milestones, those staggered approach that we've done, we fixed the defense, which was fucking awful. You know, we're not even talking about that anymore. You know, we were in the top three, I think, in the in the league as far as like defense goes. Um, you know, so that's got to be that's got to be one of the levels. You know, that that's been that's been met. And then as far as introducing the the youngsters, I'm not sure that we've had the luxury of these kind of rubber, you know, what dead rubber games. You know, apart from a few in the, in the before the group stage and we we're in the group stage of the Europa. Like every game is pretty fraught, you know, for us. We're like clinging to trying to squeeze back into Europe. We were trying to get into Europa. Um, does does has Arteta really been afforded the luxury to to gamble on the young players and see if we can afford, you know, who we but, need to replace them with? But haven't we had two dips in the season, like the one after Christmas, where we 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 had a terrible dip um, after doing quite well for about. Five and that's when he brought the youngsters in, and that that's what rescued us. No, that's true, but he, but, but, the, but that's my point. And 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 to go back to what Mike is saying, would that not have been a good time to start at least for fifteen or twenty minutes, bringing on the Balagays and 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 some of the other peripheral potential players? That's that's my point. When you when 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 you and we've been on that downward spiral twice this season so far, and it's almost over now. So we've been yeah. on it twice, but I don't see enough of the shit. Let's try something new. Even this yeah. just. Let's just give it a go, Mike. But you know, none of none of those. I mean, when it comes to the forwards, sorry, move. Then I'll let you chip, no, chip okay. in here. But, okay. um, but when it comes to the centre forward position, I I know that the issue was creativity, and I do feel like you know Arteta needs to be given credit that he did turn to the youngsters at the right time and rescued what is looking to be a shocking season, and and actually since Christmas we've been in the top four, you know, um, so. From that point of view, I think that creativity is one thing. But then as far as we've talked about this before, about as far as the Balogun, you know, like we've mentioned tonight already, we've got Balogun, who hasn't been given at all of a shake. And Ketia, who's been given like a really shit shake. He's had like a, cup, a game and a couple of games, you know, and a couple of um, cameo appearances. Lacazette, 
I don't get it. Sometimes when it feels like he's going through like a, a purple patch, he's on, he's off, they use him, they don't use him. Um, you know, Bamiang, Martinelli, it's that, those are five people. That, how does Arteta give, make it feel like everybody's, you know... Oh, we haven't even mentioned the likes of Willock, who scored six goals on the trot from well, the we, field. We still will get there when we talk about, yeah. you know, like the players who get rid of and the players who keep. But Merv, is this... I mean, are we asking... Are we not giving credit to Arteta in the fact that the process is actually as it is being followed. There are, there's stepping, you know, there's targets being met and, and progress being made. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I suppose over the years, I've been going to Arsenal, this has happened a lot. And, and, and it, it, if the manager listened to the fans, you know, they'd, they'd feel 22 different players in each game and, and kind of, yeah, ten minutes in, somebody would get hooked and another person brought on, and 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 it it's. I'm not saying that's what we're like here, but it, it's a thankless task. And in some respects, you know, it, it's the old. You know, uh, Olaf mentioned the business. It's the old kind of. Yeah, you know, no one ever got fired for choosing IBM. No one ever got fired for using McKinsey's to do their restructure. It's the kind of you know the manager doesn't lose his job if he relies on his senior players. Um, he could lose his job if he brings Balogun on or he starts Balogun in a game where he doesn't have the support around him as a young player uh, coming into the Premier League for his debut. Um, so that, 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 that then the pressure would be on him and he would risk you know, hurting the prospects or the, the confidence of a youngster. So we, we kind of, I suppose, have to... He's the man in possession of the manager's job. And we have to rely on him to kind of you know, get people in. I mean, he bought, you know, I would have liked to see him start Martinelli tonight, but he brought him on and Martinelli won the game effectively. So it, it's, you know, that that's that's a good thing he's done. Uh, Balogun wasn't on the He bench. didn't bring on Willie and that's also a good thing that he did. I was about to say, yeah. Balogun wasn't, <laughs> Balogun wasn't on the bench, but Willian was. And it, it, so that's a kind of, you know, that's the kind of thing we think, look, the Willian experiment hasn't worked. Um, there's talk of Willian not being happy and wanting to leave in the summer anyway. But then who knows what's in his contract? So it might yeah, be... Yeah, there's that. There's that. I mean, we're looking yeah. through a keyhole. You know, we're looking yeah. at the, through a keyhole at, you know, contract contractual appearances, you know, yes. reward, you know, like getting rewarded for appearing a certain amount of times and... You know, we saw that with yeah, Ozil. He, you couldn't bring him on because otherwise he had to get a bonus. It would automatically Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, so, it could be Willie. It could be Willie Anne. You know, d d had a contract where if if he's fit, he has to be in the matchday squad or something. You know, it, right. it's, We we don't know, but but I think it's difficult for Arteta. You know, he's a first time manager. Uh, he's a coach, and he probably has a way that he would like to play which is, I'm, I'm guessing, some of his own thoughts, uh, probably brought, taken from Arsene Wenger when he was with us as a player, some from Pep from his time at City. Um, and he's trying to blend them all. And th there's no experience. You know, Edu is a first-time person in his role. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, Vinay's first time in his role. We don't, you know, we've got absent owners. I won't start you, Paul, on uh, the owners. Um, so... There's not a lot of brains trust. It's not like, you know, Arsene Wenger's on the board or something, being able to help him. Uh, so it, it's it, it, it's not easy. And mm -hmm. we as fans get frustrated because we want 
you know, the, the, we want it changed. You know, if if after half hour it's not working, we want players hooked, another one bought on. Um, and it's kind of it's been that that way all the way through. Hmm. I think but we Merv, we have to. Merv, is it not the uh, uh, the fact that we use the word inconsistency, like we used for the referees and the rules? We play too inconsistently. So even when you have the same team lining up one week into the next week or one game into the next game, we don't know what the output of those same players are going to be. Um, and if you can't, after 38 or 40 games or whatever it is in a season, at least have a benchmark of what it is that you're trying to output and who are the best people to give you that particular output. And throwing injuries in and all of those kind of things, sure, I understand it, and cards and so on. But but I still don't now, after uh, uh, this season, uh, I, I cannot quite see who and what our DNA under this Arteta scenario is. I thought it was initially when, when the season started, it was like the super press thing and uh, attacking on the flanks and and at times to be kind of sit back and then to be on the counter-attack. But, but every game I watch now, and I, I don't know that everybody else feels like that, but I don't have any idea, even if I look at a lineup, what I'm supposed to expect from it. Um, last The last game, we, were, we, we played a defensive masterclass with almost the same squad, um, for example. And and so I think that's maybe the, the, the issue, is the inconsistency of the output, whether that is from training and or tactics that are thrown at the players or whether it's the players or whether it's a combination of all of those factors from the absent owners all the way down to the boot guy. Um, mm -hmm. It's that inconsistency, I think, that is that is that is Mike, MM. Mike do you want to jump yeah. in? I do, yeah, yeah, I do. <clears throat> um, I've always pondered what Olaf is talking about there, and I've come to the conclusion that we... We do have a style, but it's just not um, your typical um, easy to pick out. I think Arsenal's style, Arteta's style, is uh, each game is an individual event. And so we uh, we will prepare, uh, we will nullify. And so you, we're not going to see, us fans are not going to see uh, a similar repeated style. Each game is going to be coached differently and the players will react based on the game. And so... you. I think Arsenal now, if we put it in a nutshell, are a reactive team. That's how we're coached. We're not going to go on our front foot like we did back in the Wenger days where we're going to play this way regardless and the other team has to react to us. I think we do it the other way. Um, and I would like to just go back onto the last point. Um, we were talking about why these players are not getting, <clears throat> pardon me, not getting many. I have a theory. I have a theory. I wanted to throw out to you guys, see what you thought. Um, I think Arteta is much like a teacher and that um, he, you know, he talks in the press often about they have a lot to learn. I think Paul said it a few minutes ago, they have a lot to learn. I think he's not comfortable having these players involve players like Balogun, for example, because they haven't learned the full job. And, you know, Arteta's obviously, an, he's an overcoacher, he's a structured guy. And the first thing he put in place at Arsenal, which was needed, was the defensive responsibilities and where you stand and how you press and all these different things. So I don't think that Arteta's willing to play these players and play Martinelli more than maybe he has because he hasn't learned the job. Whereas we might say, you know, we don't care. Uh, let the guy play because he's better than what we've got. He's what we need. And he it's will like electing Donald Trump, right? 
Yeah, yeah. He will, learn, he will learn. He will learn your rules, your overcoaching, and your tinkering. He'll learn that in time. But I don't think that's this one. Yeah, he, he he wants everybody to learn the job first before they're allowed to go perform. Just uh, yeah, that's true. That's it. I mean, mm. yeah. I do think Arteta is somebody who who maybe he, he even as a player he was very um, disciplined. You know, he was um, methodical. He he was about positioning. He was about pace. He was about timing. You know, and his, he was a very he was like a clockwork player. He was a, a guy that just the, the things happened like very like that automatisms that they talk about. Arteta kind of for me embodied that, and so in a sense, I think that's his character as, as a human. I think he's somebody who tends to not favor risk. I think he sees that like if you know like the the eighty percent chance will get you further than a good, you know, maybe one or two random hundred percent chances might get you. You know what I mean? So he's about consistent. I mean, methodical. You know. Um, but what? Anyway, so I don't know where I was headed with that. But I do think that I do think Arteta gets. I mean, I was ready to get rid of him after we lost to Villarreal, to be honest. And and you know, like I've got the goldfish memory, but. When I do, when I look at the table, and I think of like the three or four or five games that were lost on brain farts by player error, that was completely out of Arteta's control. That's Leno letting the ball through his legs, or somebody kicking it into Shaka and it goes in the net. Or when you think of four or five games that that's happened, that's fifteen points. That puts us like up into third. You know, that 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 are, are completely not Arteta's fault. You know. Um, does that does that give him any credit in your book, Merv? Have you thought uh, of that? Yeah, um, uh, <coughs> I suppose. Okay, the example you give about uh, somebody uh, hitting across to 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 Jacques, I'm you know, about individual errors. That yeah, that, yeah. That I know, but, but Arteta. Yeah, the point is Arteta is getting them to play out from the back in that way. And we nearly fell foul of it again tonight. There's too many passes. There's, opposition knows what we're going to do. So very quickly, they're trying to push onto Arsenal defenders around the box. They know the ball's going to go to them. They're going to put it across, knock it back. The kind of goals we scored at the end of last season against City in the semi-final, in the cup final, where we did about 20 passes around the box and then suddenly pass, pass, pass in. Um they know we're going to do that. So that they're pushing on to us so that the those kind of balls from you know Leno to Gabriel, Gabriel to Holding, back to Leno, out to Party, Party to Chambers, back to Leno. They know that we're going to but do that. But it works pretty well. I mean, percentage wise, that they're pretty secure. I mean, if not all compared the time, to two no, years we, ago when he came. Uh, playing out from the back was a lot <laughs> was a lot shadier than now. Now we're we're maybe pushing the limits of of you know how how close to our goal lines and how much pressure we can invite. But are, you know a lot of our goals have come from that. Do you know, we have the play- do we have the players that are comfortable playing like that? Number one, and number two, part of the problem, and I suppose I come back to what I said at the beginning about about the kind of energy and and. and uh, there's almost a lethargy about the way we transition through midfield. And it's, you know, across, it's back, it's passed back to somebody. It, it, you know, there's too much passing around, re- relatively safe passes, 
but we're not pro- progressing. That that you know, I suppose ninety percent perspiration, ten percent inspiration. The inspiration bit is in short supply for long periods of the game. Merv, one of the things that I've been uh, trying to have a look at is Leno, for me, slows the game down mm. nearly five out of ten times. So when he has the ball, Gabriel for me. He has the opportunity as the goalkeeper when he has the ball to actually start something either through the left or the right wing back straight away. He, he has that option. But then he holds on to the ball for like two, three, four seconds and then gives a pass into the middle. So either to a holding or he waits for party to come closer and then passes, uh, gives it to him. But it's, it's, it's that, that period for me, literally, that when all of the, uh, your opponents are in, in, in your, our half um, and there, there's gaps on the flanks, where from a goalkeeping perspective, if you are going to do the quick passing and uh, short passing, you could do it very quickly. You go one, bam, off to Tierney. Tierney then goes off to Saka, and then there you've got then you've got um, a Bamiang who will be running down on the left or or whoever down the middle. It, 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 watch watch yeah. watch again again if you do, and you Man. see for, Leno slows things down immensely often. Although we had a good game tonight, but we have we have we in our eleven players. I'd say that we have three or four who naturally, unless unless the, the, the shape of the movements of the game suits their left-footedness or right-footedness, we've got three or four or five players who merely by their one-footedness um, put a break on our transition. You know, it arrives at Pepe and he's got to do something with it on his left-hand side. So he always takes six or seven seconds to, you know, where he's being tricksy and all that kind of stuff. Normally doesn't go anywhere. can be very frustrating. The same with Tierney. Unless you get him with the ball in front of him and he's running forward, it's going to have to move backwards. The same with Saka. Same with Gabriel. Gabriel, I don't know what his vibe is. He gets it and he always has to do like a little shuffle kind of weird thing and then like a back pass to himself and then pass it. I mean, he. there's a lot of our players that, that, that slow the game down and make... I mean, make it painful to watch sometimes. I mean, I get that, Merv. There's somebody put in the comments here... Um, our donut formation is so boring to watch, but um, you know, there's so much about our transition play that that is predictable and tedious and and one-legged. Um, that that when you have somebody like Smith Rowe mentioned earlier and Partey and Shaka when he when he when he's in that mood, um, you know, playing incisive forward quick transition play, I think it helps us along. How do we cure that? If a lot of those players are people that we we're keeping next season, Mike. I mean, how, how do we? Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's for me. It's just entirely a stylistic thing. It will improve with better players. There's no doubt that this will improve. However, Arsenal really just play basketball. Um, Arsenal, you know, most basketball games are, you know, well, or they're all played the same way. You know, the coach sets it all up with the the plays and the, you know, the point guard will slow it down and they'll pass the ball around and then he'll call a play. And that's what's happening at Arsenal. It's, it's exactly what it is. I mean, when we do have an opportunity to counterattack, we don't even do that. We even slow that down because Arteta is micromanaging this team. And so that's why we, you guys were talking about all the passes back, the holding to Gabriel and Leno. It's, it's all intentional because we need to give our players time to go get into their five attacking lanes that Arteta set up. 
and it's it's this process. It's how he believes the game should be played. He's controlling the whole thing. And we won today because those two players decided, you know, to heck with this, you know, this is not working. I'm going to come out of this. And as Olaf said earlier, I'm using my own initiative, if that's the word he used. So, um, and so Arsenal play basketball. And that's why it's boring, because basketball is boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the predictable... It's the predictable side of it. And I think that when your team is just predictable, predictable, it's just, it's hard to watch sometimes. And obviously if we, if it's predictable for us, for professional footballers, what we're doing in front of them is so predictable too. And you can see it. There's a point at which, I mean, we really had Crystal Palace's number. I felt in the first 20 or 30 minutes, you know, oh. they, they caught us on a couple of counters, but we were, we, we, they they didn't know look they didn't look looked like they knew what they what they were what, you know needed to do. Um, yeah, then Roy Hodgson was like just press them and put them under pressure and and they and we just sunk into ourselves into those we're ruts. Running days, right? We're running it was like they know what we're doing for the first twenty minutes, and and they all doing it. And then when there isn't an outcome of that, then it's like okay, well we're just going to throw it out now and then and. And Going just old, well trodden path, yeah. Paint by numbers and do what it is that we've been told to do. Yeah, um, I think we've covered our goals pretty much. They were, you know, Pepe dragged us across the line with a couple of, you know, creative, you know, just yeah. I, I think, I think his contribution was huge tonight, and as frustrating as he can be, um, and then obviously Martinelli finally somebody decided to go, you know, to attack one of the brilliant crosses that Chambers or Tierney was putting in. Um, so that that's for me. Has anyone else got anything they want to say about the goals? Our well, goals? on the flip side, I'd say, Paul, um, of us playing programmed um, plays, the first goal was a programmed play. It was the combination out wide, wasn't it? The quick combination, get that's Tierney it. loose, and then Tierney cuts the ball back to the penalty spot and Pepe comes around. And that's, I mean, to their credit, if I, I was going to program and um, have a passing pattern, that is a very effective one if you can pull it off, is uh, is bringing that guy around to the penalty spot because all of the, the centre-backs and the full-back are drawn to the six-yard box by the movement and Pepe has scored many goals um, by the penalty spot. So there's a positive out of uh, out of the basketball I was talking about is that, uh, <laughs> that, that worked. Yeah, it was like yeah, that, Europe, right? Also, I would say for the Martinelli goal, it, it, it was Erdogan who, who, rather than playing the, the, the programmed passing it back, actually you know, took, took the cross you know, across the goal for somebody to attack, which Martinelli did. He's an inspirational player. He, he plays, I suppose, yeah, he, he's, he's an improvisational player. And I think Erdogan is. It's interesting. So I, I, I was watching some conversation online earlier about, you know, should we sign Erdogan if he's available? Has he done enough? And obviously, yeah, Madrid might want far too much money. And there are times when I've, I've really, really thought that he could be something special if we can allow him to grow and develop. There's a bit of inspiration there. I mean, he effectively won the game tonight with that second goal. Um but then there is a concern as well that he might he might have all of that knocked out of him in the very almost robotically programmed 
uh, I won't say Arteta way, but the way that we are choreographed in our moves, it, it, it kind of knocks the inspiration out. So uh, it, it, it's it's an interesting one. I know it's a question you haven't asked. Well, let's us. ask that should, question. Who should uh, we sign? But, but, let's ask that question just about Erdegaard. Would would you sign him if he was available for a decent price move? Just say he was available for... Well, give me your price if you were going to sign him, what your, your maximum price would be. Um. If you were going to sign him, of course you don't have to. Sign I know. Him. The, the, no, I know. The, the, I suppose the problem is with, um, I'll probably pronounce it wrong, but obviously we came close, I believe, with Awar last summer. And I believe there are a lot of people who think he is possibly a better player. I think Erdogan has, has adapted well to the Premier League. He's not played in a league like that before. But having said that, it's still he still has development to go. So I mean, and in yeah, short, Madrid, buy, would you sell him? Would you buy him? And if so, for how much? I would buy him. Uh, I would say 35, 40 million. Okay, um, Olaf. Yeah, I'd buy him, but um, I would, uh, but only on the basis that if you've invested the money in party, which you did at fifty-two mil, if I wasn't mistaken, uh, the buyout clause, uh, you must probably be looking at reasonably close up for that for Erdegaard. But then you've got to build a team around that midfield and uh, that number 10 and to be able to feed the strikers. But, but I'm just asking, are you going to buy him and if so, for how much? Okay, I'll buy him and I will spend 50 million. Mike? I would not buy him as my first choice. He would be my second choice. I like him and I think he's got a lot to offer. I'm worried that he's going to be robotized if he hasn't already by Arteta. But the player I buy is Emi Buendia because he brings goals as well as assists, um, and he's done it consistently now. So, um, and I think he'd be cheaper. Uh, he's the player I would like. Okay, but if you did have a price for Erdegaard? Well, I think he's um, potentially, he's a 60, 70 million player. That's obviously not his price right now. He's an elite player, potentially. But right now, I think you're looking at about 40. Um, and it's hard to know what we would do if we don't know our budget, because... Um, we have other areas that are arguably more important with the you know, introduction of Smith Rowe, so hard right. to know. I, I don't personally, if, if anyone's interested, I wouldn't. I don't. I saw I saw what he did tonight, and I love that cross to Martinelli. But I also saw what I've seen, and apart from that one game that he really dominated, is it's it's kind of Ozil esque in that it's pretty, it's yeah. great to look at, but it's fucking unproductive. It just never seems to like he's not going to take the responsibility. He shot that once and scored a goal like how long ago it was, but um, I just never get the impression from him. Even today, there were chance where I was like, okay, cut on your left and shoot, and it just went back, back out, back out, back out. You know. Um, so I I just don't get excited as I do with Smith Rowe, and I think that they're competing for the same kind of place. I'd rather build a team around Smith Rowe um, than I would around Odegaard. That's just me. So I wouldn't buy him. Um, and I think he'll be overpriced anyway. Um, so what was I going to say? Um, yeah, we're, we're faced with with the possibility that we might go into sixth um, if we're lucky, if, if results go our way. But we could also end up in seventh, which is the conference. Europa League. Olaf, how would you feel about playing in the Conference League, whatever that is? Would you rather? No, I'd rather I'd rather skip out a year um, 
and and focus on the task of what is the team, how do we play, and let them play. And if then next season we start off in that part of the league and then uh, in the conference league and then move up to Europa and whatever else, fine. Then that's part of the process. Uh, but I, I think it's going to do us more damage unless it's going to be used exclusively like an under-23 tournament, um, but, but not for the first team. Because to go and play that and that many games and then to come in and still then try and be in the running for a top four minimum in the league, um, I think is going to be a, 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 a huge ask. So, no, I, I would rather... We, we've had a shit season as it is. So... Uh, whether we end up seventh or whether we end up eighth or ninth, I don't really care anymore. It's, it's, it's already shit. So let's leave it at that. But don't don't try and win something or, or or get entry into something which is actually going to not allow you to progress. So I would absolutely not like to be in the conference league at all. Um, Merv, I'm going to raise that up a notch for you. Um, would you rather that we didn't make Europa and 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 get sixth? And, and and take the medicine that we've been kind of that we haven't been taking for so long and and um or do you think that being in europe and squeezing into the europa league would be a form of success in this season um do you think it'd be better or worse um oh for the days of fourth place is a trophy yeah i i I would hate. I, I, I suppose my concern is that, and, and again, in my younger days, uh, I've had plenty of seasons out of Europe and stuff. Um, I, I, as a fan, um, I think at the moment to to drop out of Europe completely, and I know it's what Liverpool did when Klopp first came. They finished eighth. Um, they had a season out of Europe. And if I felt that if we were out of Europe, the owners, um, and I won't start you off, Paul, the, the owners would somehow still invest in a team which could certainly maybe, you know, without having to play all those Thursdays and everything, could could finish in top four and begin to bring us back to where, you know, we might attract a different kind of player, um, then I, I would do it. But I don't have any confidence that the owners, and I, I don't expect that to change over the summer, much as like you, I would like it to. Um, I, I I don't know. I just think it will be, we're not in Europe, therefore the budgets are down. And, the, you, you know, it, it, it's difficult because I, 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 even the Europa League, I like being in Europe because it feels when you're not in Europe, uh, it, it's kind of, you, know, you are kind of in the second tier of the Premier League. Um, but and I've, I've often thought, and even under Arsene Wenger, I, I, I was beginning. I was thinking towards the end, maybe we just need to drop out of Europe for a season or so, concentrate purely on league game after league game, without playing what you know Wednesday, Saturday, or Thursday, Sunday. Um, but I don't know that. The, the, yeah, I don't know now that that would be the best thing for the club, given you know the money that's been lost during the pandemic. There haven't been fans in and stuff. I think um, that's that's a that's a good point, and I'm going to take that and raise it and add it, give it to Mike. And if we weren't in Europe next season, I think we'd have even more of an issue than we do now, in that we have a squad. You know, we have the number of players designed for like European competition. 
like a lot of the Premier League only teams have got smaller squads. They know who they're playing week in, week out. There's not a lot of rotation, not a lot of opportunities. Um, do you see that if we don't get into Europe, that that might become an issue? That we've got even more players that we're trying to squeeze into a smaller space? Yeah, I do. I think the optimal scenario is what Olaf said, which is that we qualify for whichever competition and that, well, the Conference League, let's say, and that the first team are not involved because uh, you have to find minutes for players that you want to, the guys we've been talking about that we wish had minutes, they did get minutes in European competition. And if we didn't have, wouldn't have had that, then maybe Balogun wouldn't have signed the contract, for example. So I think you, you have to have that for them and to give them hope. Um, but I think you just have to do that exclusively is, is make that an under 23 or B team tournament uh, and just, chuck the desire to try to win the thing and just use it just for minutes. The only other part of it from a coaching standpoint is, you know, Arteta's <laughs> divided because now he's having to, rather than have a whole week to prepare for this one next Premier League game, he's having to do, you know, one day. two jobs. Yeah, he's got two jobs because he would have to go travel to somewhere in Bulgaria with these this B team and show interest in that. And, and so his focus is divided. And I would personally love to have a whole season with no Europe just to see what he could do with focus entirely on one competition. Interesting. Um, folks, we've been going for quite a while. Um, let's just... Let's just round this off um, with a quick, a quick foresight at, at what's happening on Sunday with our final game against Brighton at home. Um, and I hear there's some interesting things planned, so it should be <laughs> uh, it should be an event. It should be wild, as Trump would say. Be there, it'll be wild. Um, we'll have fans back. Uh, that's pretty exciting, Merv. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to be one of them. Oh, you got your ticket? Yeah, I have a ticket. I have a ticket. That's, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, do you have any predictions for the for the game? Well, I hope we win. <laughs> okay. I've waiting, By how much? I've been waiting a long time. I've been waiting a long time to go back to the Emirates. Um, well, unfortunately, Brighton often seem to cause us problems. Um, and yeah, and I they think just beat Man City, didn't they? Yeah, I think back two years ago to that final home game where we needed to, yeah, all we needed to do was beat Brighton and we didn't, we drew. Um, I would like to think that, that Basuma wants to come, so he'll kind of like, you know, kind of, he'll throw a six out of ten for the afternoon. Um, but um, no, I think, you know, I've got to believe, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I know there's a protest and I'm going to kind of, you know, I'm going to manage that with actually going into the ground as well. But the, the, the uh, I, I, I wouldn't want to, having waited since uh, last March, to actually go and see a game, game at the Emirates. I'd, I'd, I'd hate to think I'm going to see him lose. So it's, yeah. um, I, I, suspect, I think we'll win. I think having fans there, and I think that's been a huge difference for us this season. And even the Villarreal at home match with 60,000 in the Emirates, Artessa would have known things needed to be changed earlier. Mm -hmm. He'd have known if he was pulling off the wrong player. I, I think the crowd, particularly at home games, makes a huge difference. Right. Olaf, your predictions for Arsenal Brighton? I'm, I'm also hoping for a win. Um, I think it's more likely to be a draw. Brighton are pretty strong and at the moment, and, and they're on a good run as well. 
Um, unless, of course, they've already got their holidays booked and they're already thinking about that. So I'm I'm going with the hope of a win for Merv in particular because you you carry my spirit of, of of enjoyment at the Emirates for me. Thank you, Merv. Um, I'll but, do my uh, best. I'll do my best. But I but I think a, a draw is most probably the the more likely outcome. But I I hope I'm wrong. Mike. I think it's going to be a wild, high-scoring, back-and-forth, end-of-season game. Um, and I think that the game is important for me for one reason in particular, which my, if, if it were me, my number one target in the summer would be Basuma of Brighton. And I think we have to show him that we are a worthwhile uh, group to come to because he's going to have his pick of some of the best teams in England and maybe in the world as well as what I'm hearing. So um, I think we have to show our number one uh uh, transfer target that, uh, that that we're good. So um, there's a comment that just came up. Um, West Ham have just won, so there's no hope for us to get sixth. No, don't deserve uh, it anyway. Sorry, we don't deserve it. Yeah. No. Um, so anyway, so we might three one. We might. Yeah. Um, well. I hope we don't get the, the conference thing. I, I, I'd like us to just take this medicine now. I think it's been coming a long time. Um, and I think that just about covers it. We've, we've spoken. <laughs> we've talked a lot uh, about some interesting things and we've branched out of, branched away from the format. But I think it was, it was a good discussion needed to be had. And yeah. Thank yeah. you all so much for joining me um, in the pub, in the virtual pub. Um, and also for all of you that commented online, thanks for your comments um, and your insights. Um, there's always some, there's a gem or two that comes through the comments. So thanks for that. Um, so Mike, thank you. Thank you. See you next time. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Merv, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. My pleasure. And Olaf. Thanks. We won't do it again this season. And uh, just officially to you guys and the rest of the crew and the Gunners Town Club, um, it's been a blast being on here and uh, and a privilege. So I thank you all for accepting. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, come on, you Gunners. Ooh.